Uh, hello, hello, hello. This is the Adbounds Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a fantastic episode for you today with Jen Gorecki, who is the CEO of Coalition Snow. Uh, Coalition is an outdoors brand. They make all kinds of outdoor products, including skis and snowboards, but they're also a very important all, all show. Also a very important cultural figure in the outdoor space. Um, you can check out what they do at coalitionsnow.com. Um, and obviously you can listen to this episode and we'll tell you a lot about what coalition does. Um, can't thank Jen enough for doing this episode. She's a great guest and I, uh, I'm psyched I've had her on uh, a few housekeeping items before we jump into the show. Obviously we have ad reads. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, there's new merch on the site, including, Hats, keychains, the whole kit and caboodle, straps, if you'll notice. My man is strapped up over here. Uh, what else do we have? We have hoodies coming. Also, check the drink butter hoodie. So fire. And the Colorado ski outlet, circa 1996. Jean jacket. Full jean fit going today. Um, do that stuff. Subscribe to the YouTube. Tons of new content. Obviously, if you're here, you might as well subscribe. If you're just listening on the audio, go and subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, listen to all the other shows on The Collective. And, uh, and yeah, let's jump into some ads. Uh, so first sponsor for today is Rumpel. Uh, Rumpel's been a great sponsor and a great partner for us, and we're proud to partner with them. Uh, they recycled 5 million plastic bottles uh, last year just to offset their carbon footprint. Um, they're a company that cares about the environment, and the product is amazing. They have stuff in all kinds of different colors, styles, whatever you want, um, weatherproof and made out of the same materials that a lot of your outdoor gear is made out of. So if you need an outdoor blanket, if you need a picnic blanket, uh, especially for spring and summertime, this is your best friend. Um, they also make these amazing towels that I am like over the moon about. It's been my gym towel. It's been my jump in the river towel. It has been my hold over my head in the sauna while I try not to pass out towel. Um, so you can go to rumple.com and use promo code out of bounds, save 15% off on your purchase. Uh, that's better than they give you for signing up for their mailing. It's better than any of the other stuff. Ethan's doing a good job of scrolling through all the products here. Beer blankets, obviously a great option as well. Um, but for sure, check out rumple.com out of bounds for 15%. Next, we have Sierra Nevada Beer uh, as a sponsor of the show. If you are looking for a family-owned and operated uh, and argued over compi company, Sierra Nevada is for you. Uh, they're giving away a bicycle um, on their website, so you can go and find more information on that. Uh, you also can check out their huge range of products, including uh, the Pale Ale, Hazy Little Thing, Torpedo, uh, and then they also have their Hop Splash, which is their non-alcoholic version out now. Uh, we have a special deal on some merch. If you would like to get Sierra Nevada merch, which there's actually some really rad stuff, uh, you can use promo code out of bounds capital on all three words in that one uh, for 20% off all non-beer items on their website. Uh, they have some really rad tap handles, which we'll have mounted here in the studio whenever Ethan gets his shit together. Uh, just go to shop.sierra. Uh, SierraNevada.com and again use promo code out of bounds for 20% off um, offers just valid for people 21 and older for the next couple months so go and check that out they also have these little koozie socks those are cool get one of those if you want I, mean, I don't know get some merch 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 um, cool I guess that's it let's jump into the episode with Jen Gorecki uh, thank you guys for listening as always we have this is 197 Ethan 198 198. 198. We got two more to 200. And I am psyched. And then I'm retiring. Just kidding. I'm not retiring. Um, cool. Here's Jen Grecky. Uh, Jen, oh. why don't you tell people who you are, what you do? Uh, there's kind of a long list of things that you do, but <laughs> tell us the highlights <laughs> here uh, and then kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. I'm Jen Grecky. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I started Coalition Snow about what feels like a million years ago. We are the women owned and operated ski and snowboard brand. Uh, since then I have learned that operating, actually not operating, just having a ski and snowboard brand be financially successful is wildly difficult. So we <laughs> launch new things all the time. 
out of uh, ways to just sort of see what we can do. And then also because sometimes we get bored. So we've done things like launched a magazine, CC Magazine. Um, most recently, we launched Operate a Light, which is a sexual wellness shop. Uh, definitely make my parents proud with that one. And um, <laughs> so many things nobody ever wanted to know about my personal life with that. Um, and then also we have a podcast called Juicy Bits. I do this newsletter on Thursday called Lady Parts. Just you know, just doing a lot of things to ideally make the outdoor industry a very different place. Yeah. And different how, I guess that's probably the first place we should start. I, I also have a similar goal, like of making the outdoor industry a different place because it is, uh, I don't know. It's, we all know how the outdoor industry, especially in skiing and snowboarding, it's, it's very unique white male centric, uh, atmosphere. And it has been for my whole career. And I, I imagine for, the majority of yours as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about what the goals are there, what you want to change and kind of, and then we can kind of go into what, um, what coalitions kind of roll, what, what their motto is, I guess. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I started coalition because I felt like as a snowboarder that there was no brand talking to me, there was no brand that represented me. And, and I, I didn't, I don't come from the industry. Um, I had worked in outdoor ed and education, um, and had started a social enterprise in, in Kenya prior to starting coalition, but I just was somebody who loved to snowboard and I kind of built this life around skiing pal. Like I I went to college at NAU and Flagstaff. I got a degree in journalism. So I only had to go to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I worked at the ski resort. I moved to Lake Tahoe. Like the whole point was to ski pal. And for all those years, I was like this, I'm not feeling this. Like I am not in to the snow sports industry, like mm. the, the stories that were being told, um, the representation, the whole vibe, the whole energy. And so, you know, I started coalition basically to create something that people like me and, and people in my community would feel, you know, that, that it's something that, that we would want, that we'd want to be a part of and really create a brand that, um, that recognized people for who they were and, and accepted them for who, for who, who they were. Like the whole idea is like, you don't have to, you know, huck yourself off cliffs and jump out <laughs> of helicopters to be a skier or a snow snowboarder, like right. literally getting on the mountain makes you a skier or a rider. And I just wanted to create a brand that celebrated um, all the different ways that we love to play in the snow um, and do it in a way that was fundamentally different than the rest of the industry that, expects us quite honestly to fit into a really tiny, ridiculously privileged, hyper toxic box. And I didn't want any part of it. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, that's, that's kind of what the ski industry has been in a nutshell, obviously kind of a generalization, but that's, that's what it's been, right? There's some highlights and companies are starting to do more kind of like what you guys are doing. They're starting to adapt what they're offering in terms of products, but I mean, it's taken so long and you guys were one of the, you were one of the early innovators in that. And yeah. it's, it's funny to even say innovators because like that shouldn't be a thing that has to be innovated on. It should just totally. be a thing that exists, but it didn't. And, uh, and you guys kind of created that space. So I guess talk to me about coalition as like the ski snowboard brand and then what coalition does in culture, because I think people know the brand and might not own a pair of skis or snowboards yet, right? They're fully aware of what you guys do, but don't own the product. And there's very few brands that have that kind of like almost cult following that you guys yeah. have um, without necessarily even buying the product. Obviously, a lot of people buy the skis and snowboards, but it's it's different, right? Yeah, it's actually, I mean, it's different. It, at, for, at some level, it's super cool. And at the other level, I'm like, come <laughs> buy some shit. We would like to stay in business. Like, I'm totally here for all the people who just want to like virtually and in real life high, high five us. But like, y'all know, we don't stay open if you don't buy the shit. Like there's no, there's no, um, big investor. There's no trust fund. There's no money tree to go shake. Like I literally have to sell the shit on my website and then we stay open. So, but, um, yeah, so we, we make skis and snowboards is our, that's like our bread and butter. And, and the concept behind our equipment is that, um, 
you know, well, we've kind of evolved a little bit. So when we first started, we were like really heavy, like we're making women's skis and women's snowboards because what the industry was putting out was this like super watered down, super soft, pinked up product, which, which is a reflection of how the industry perceived women. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. Like, and so we like, you know, when, when I launched it, the whole idea was we make skis and snowboards that don't suck. Um, because everyone knows that women's skis and snowboards suck. Well, over the years, certainly what we've come to realize is um, there's a lot of humans who would like to be on our skis and, and boards. And we um, have been working to sort of, you know, move outside of being women specific and just be women owned. Um, and obviously, like, as an all, everyone on our team identifies as a woman. And so when we are designing products, like we're designing skis and snowboards that, that we want. Um, and I think that, you know, certainly that means that like cis men, like could still ski and ride on it, but we're not thinking about y'all. Like, we're not thinking about your preferences. Um, we're really just, again, like focusing on the things that we want and there's no brand that does that, you know, like we invest hundred percent of our resources into making this, you know, these hard goods. And I think that that's why the performance um, and the quality is so high is that there's, you know, we're not trying to like pull from, you know, the man's budget or the bullshit unisex one and make a, a women's line. Like we only make what, what we make. So, you know, that's how we, that's how we launched. And um, obviously there's like, you know, other offerings that we have like fun shred the patriarchy shirts and stickers and, um, other, like we, we partner up with other women owned brands, um, to do some cool collabs like Skeeta and wild brush. Um, but yeah, we make skis and boards and then, you know, you can't really hit the scene being like the women owned brand and not talk a bunch of shit. And I think that's how we <laughs> built that following. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much that you're right though. You have to, you have to like kind of yeah. kick in the door a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like anybody was like, oh, welcome. We're so happy you're here. <laughs> Everybody was like, who the fuck do you think you are making skis and snowboards? You're not an athlete. No one knows your name. You never worked at a brand. Ugh. No one's interested. And I was like, it's this is literally not rocket science. Like, it is planks of wood that you strap your feet to. I mean, certainly there's engineering that goes into <laughs> it, sure. but it is not as fancy as people would like for you to think it is. No. Um, and so, yeah, no one... I can't say that the industry was super happy to have us there. And then, you know, obviously when we were like, yeah, we're going to make things for us because the industry has been ignoring us. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't like that being told that like hard truth, but it's interesting because now they get it a lot more. Like certainly um, what happened in summer 2020 with black lives matter, like really made the industry finally pay attention um, and it's an awful shame that it took something like that, you know, rest in peace, George Floyd, Brona Taylor, um, Ahmaud Aubrey, like that it took something like that for the industry to be like, oh, maybe we should, maybe we should be um, thinking about how we can be more welcoming and, and, and inclusive. Uh, but they certainly never really cared prior to that. Yeah. I, and honestly, like, I don't, still on that on that particular topic i still don't necessarily believe that everybody actually cares i think that they just have to care right i think they it got to the point where there was no option to care or not care like you have to otherwise everybody's going to not like your shit they're not going to talk to you they're not going to look at your brand as somebody i mean some people will there's a lot of idiots out there but yeah. uh, for the majority it's like you kind of had to put out the messaging that like, this is where you stand. And it, I felt like, for me, I'm watching it, and I'm like, it, it, this feels like messaging. It doesn't feel like genuine, authentic brands, like where the brand was. It just feels like they took advantage of an opportunity in a lot of ways. But I do think, I, I guess it depends on the company, right? Like, because it, yeah. it, there's a big stretch, I guess, from it just being a marketing tactic, which would be horrible, but I do think that's what some brands did. And it being like genuine. And I guess it's hard to tell where people's intentions lie. And it's it's kind of a really weird gray area. Well, it is, I mean, you can't know. You can't really know unless you know the people behind it and you you know them well, right? But there's certainly like things that you could look at. Like you can look at who's employed. For sure. You can, right? Like you can see if there's, you know, transparency in, in their pay. You can look at 
um, like you can say one thing like Black Lives Matter, but then if all the language that you use is, you know, rooted in colonization and white supremacy, like if it's that continued like bro culture, then like you really, you're not getting it. So I think there are things that you can do, but um, it takes work on behalf of the community on behalf of the customer. And then that person also has to, has to care and has to be willing to spend with their vet, with their vet values. And I don't, not a lot of people, I mean, some people like to think yeah. they do, but hundred percent they don't. No. So. Yeah, they don't. I mean, it's like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of brands that I buy shit from, you know, suppliers, whatever that I like, I don't agree with their values or their owner's values or any of that shit, but it's convenient. It's fa- I mean, look at Amazon, right? Like we all yeah. buy shit from Amazon all the time. I do not. You do not. I, do not. I, I am still a victim of convenience yeah. and it's, it's hard. It's really hard not to, because I'm for the most part, I'm dumb. So I'll like go on a trip. I'll need something in 30 seconds and I won't, I'll need it for the next day or even sometimes the same day. And there's nowhere else I can get it. And that's part of the problem, I guess, is they've kind of taken this model of convenience and they take advantage of people like me that'll make excuses like I'm dumb or I forgot, right. That have, have no sense of preparation. Uh, and that's, that's where it lies, but I guess you're right. So it's not a hundred percent. You don't have to necessarily, or people don't necessarily spend with their values, but I do think that people are starting to care more and more, right? Like it seems like that's starting to be a thought at least in people's minds. I think so. And also I would like to hope so. Like I would, I would like to be optimistic about the future and, and think that we're actually, you know, in this, like that we're evolving, just continuously getting better and, and, and doing better. So as, as much as I'm, you know, frustrated with things on the daily, I, I I do still have hope every day that things are getting better. Um, and there's all sorts of people doing all sorts of things to, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and you actually mentioned, I was looking at an article or an interview that someone did for outdoor project that you did with outdoor project. And you were kind of talking about how like for women, this is, this is kind of the golden hour, right? Like people are starting to pay attention. People are starting to actually really give a shit about women's opinions and products and and all that stuff. So kind of talk to me about what you meant by that and why, why you feel that it is getting better. Yeah. It's interesting. I think like, I think that article that you're referring to, I think it's a bit, if how old is that? That's like four or five years, right? Mm. What's the date on that? 2018. Yeah. Okay. So I, I bring that up because in 2018, I thought that was a thing. I don't think it's a thing now. I don't actually think. Really? Yeah. I actually Mm -hmm. feel like it's get it's gotten better since 2018. Okay. Okay, So tell me why you, okay. okay. All right. Let's talk about this. Okay. 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 That's why I brought it up. Yeah. No. Well, I think, okay. (laughs) Oh, I have so much to say about this. Go. This is you. Okay. I think that what we're seeing now is that is that brands, humans, particularly white men, they will they're latching on to women as their diversity, equity, inclusion thing because they're so afraid of dealing with bigger issues around like race and um, gender and or not not sorry not gender um, uh, but even gender like trans and non-binary yeah, for sure. and ability. And so it's like, you, you see all these brands that like, there's just women. It's like white women do not fucking cut it. Like that's not (laughs) enough. It's not good enough. And so I feel like back in 2018, like people were starting to pay attention to women and like valuing women as a consumer base, valuing Uh women as business owners. And now I feel like, um, there's that a little bit, but like women have moved into the, like, I'm so freaked out about DEI. All I know how to do is put these white women here and that. And a lot of times, like, that's just reinforcing the same. It's the same, same, like white women oftentimes just hold up the silver platter to white men, you know, like, and I could say that in a way nastier way, but I'm going to keep it clean for the families today. But, um, I don't know how many families actually listen to me to be totally true. honest. So. I might say, I'll just save the naughty stuff for later. But, um, but I do think that like, so I think that a lot of, I think that a lot of what we're seeing now with women, again, it's primarily um, white women. And I think it's because 
the people, pe- pe- the people, the white men don't like they, they, they do not know how to navigate any other spaces because they've never had to. They don't have fret like they don't they don't have personal networks that expand outside of that. They don't have professional net networks. They're afraid. They're fragile. Um, and so it's just really easy to put a white woman out there. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And it's you're right. I mean, race is a touchy subject, like getting into different types of demographics is a, is a very touchy subject. But so my question, I guess, then is what what do brands do? How do they address that better? Right. Because the messaging is starting to gear in my opinion, more towards women. Right. And I, I feel that I feel a similar way, as I said, I felt with the black lives matter movement, right. Where I feel like it's a lot of just propping up, like putting a woman there so that she's there. Right. And there's a lot of like, there's hiring women because they just want a woman on their team. And I've like been in rooms where these conversations have been had and it's, it's weird. Like it's weird to hear people talking about it like that. Like we need to hire a woman. We need to hire someone who's black. We need like, that's great, but it feels like they're doing it out of, we need to do it right. Not they want to do it or that it's like, it should be just done the right way. So I guess what can brands do? How do they get better at that? Because it is interesting to think about it from that perspective that it hasn't gotten better since 2018. Yeah. Well, and maybe it has, I mean, maybe that's just my bitter moment. Like I can't be positive all the time. Like I, I said something <laughs> better right before it. So I'm just, I'm just um, I feel like, um, well, I think part of the problem is that brands um, are quite focused on marketing and on campaigns mm. and none of this is marketing and none of this is campaigns, right? Like this is all embedded into the culture. Um, this is about the leadership. This is about the the language that the leadership uses, the, the conversations that um, staff teams have, the um, even as simple as like, what hours do you keep? How do you honor your employees' um, le- leisure time? Like, are, are you, are you saying that DEI matters and Black Lives Matter, but you expect your employees to be available seven days a week. You know, like what are you like reinforcing white supremacy cult- culture or not? So I think that where the work starts is actually not focusing on the marketing, not focusing on your Instagram, not focusing on the mm. campaign, but actually doing a deep dive, like an internal deep dive into all of your practices and everything that makes up your your culture. And that's where the change needs to start. And while, you know, and I think that there's certainly brands and people who have done that one DEI training, that is not enough. Like this shit is so complex as it should be. It's not easy. It's a daily practice. It's daily work. If, if leader, if, if leadership in the outdoor industry or any brand, if they're not, if they're not approaching this as daily work, then that's, that's a problem there. Right. And, you know, I feel like I feel fortunate because like I said, I don't, I didn't come from the industry prior to starting coalition. I was on the academic side. So, you know, my master's and that PhD I dropped out of really lends itself well for me to be able to speak to these issues and, and understand them. Um, but yeah, it's not a campaign. Like you gotta, you gotta clean house. And and I don't yeah. think that a lot of people are clean in house. They're just, you know, going outside and planting some flowers. Um, and that's not, that's not cutting it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I kind of was waiting for you to say clean house and, and, and I honestly was going to say, it's kind of unfair for me to like put you in the position of like, how do you, like, how do you feel? How do all women feel about this particular category? It's, it's a tough question to ask, but I feel like you're one of the right people to speak on it. So I guess. Well, and certainly like, I do not represent all women for at sure. all. Like right. I don't even represent all what white women, like a lot of white women are like, she needs to shut it. She's way too <laughs> out there. Like, right. And then there's a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of women of, of color who are like, you're not doing enough. So I feel like right. I just, this is just me. This is how, how I, I feel about things. And I think it resonates with, with some people and doesn't with others. Yeah. But I'm, I'm more mean, like you've built a brand around this kind of inclusivity. And I think that that's really important. And that kind of allows you to speak from from the perspective of somebody who's built that. So I guess when somebody cleans house, what is, what does that actually look like? How does that happen in the ski industry? Because this industry, as you said, is so set up for 
the people that have been in the industry since the beginning. I can't tell you how many sales reps I have that I'm like worried are going to like collapse on the floor of the shop because they're a hundred years, you know, like, or just been in it since the beginning. And they're used to these norms that were okay in the sixties, seventies, eighties, whatever. And it's not like 2022 is a totally different animal than 2010 even. So how do we, how do we do that? Right. Do Do we just kick everybody to the curb or do we like, adapt and overcome like what's the what's the situation there well i believe that the people like smart business like smart business owners um and people who who truly care about progress will will they will make the changes they will evaluate their own position they will look at what other leadership they need to bring in they will look at who they need to hire who they need to fire mm. what policies need to change like and it you can't do that overnight like that takes time you certainly should have made some progress in the past couple of years <laughs> um if you haven't started yet you met like everyone's wondering what you're waiting for but it it you know i think um you know leaders really thinking about being servant leaders, like understanding that as a concept, like how you really show up and and serve your community, both as your, like your employees are your community, but then your customers are your community, your stakeholders are your your community. I think there's that piece. And then I think that there's plenty of people who are not going to do anything. And quite honestly, like we're all just getting older. And so eventually they're going to die or their businesses are going to go out of business. And then other people like me are going to start businesses. So I would encourage more people um, to start businesses, you know, if, if you, to create a new outdoor um, industry, to create a new snow, snow sports. And, and you do see a lot more diversity in founding teams in the general outdoor space, but certainly yeah. in snow sports, you do, you do not. Um, and I, and, and I mean, also the, the big question is like, what is the future of snow sports with, with climate change? Like, I, I don't know if, if I would be a great business advisor if I said, you should go start a business in snow sports. Oh, yeah. No, you should not. That probably, like, <laughs> starting coalition was maybe one of the dumbest business, that, like, pro- like, out of all the things I could have done. But I do think, like, more people getting into business, more, more people starting, um, and then leaders really examining themselves. And then also, like, you know, customers can hold people accountable too. And I don't, I don't mean in the sense of like, you know, cancel culture is weird. So I'm not suggest like, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not, I'm not suggesting that, but like legitimately think about where you spend your money. Yeah. Like what businesses do you want to build up? Like that's, that's a like everybody can play a part in that every time you decide to buy anything, like what businesses do you want to uplift and what businesses do you need to, um, separate yourself from. Right. And I think stating your opinion and and not being afraid to say like, Oh, I don't like that this company did this or this company sucks for doing this is not, it's not cancel culture to me. And I think to a certain extent that stuff needs to be said because otherwise changes don't get made. Right. But I think everything gets labeled as like saying fucking anything gets labeled as cancel culture or being woke or whatever the fuck, like all these, these terms that came out of COVID, I am like so fucking sick of. Like just shut, just like the shut the fuck is up. So funny. I'm like, you want to call me woke? Are you? That's the worst thing you got. I've 100 percent been called worse things. Keep going. Like, I could, don't even care if you call me like. I just get confused. I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? Like, okay, I'm thinking with my brain and with a little bit of like, I, I would like to think for other and yeah. care for other people. It's not. That's not being woke. That's that's caring. It's a very, it's a very funny. It's yeah. It's amazing how something as black and white as that gets muddy. Um, I guess I kind of want to talk about the climate change aspect of it because as a business owner in snow sports, that has to be a pretty scary thing to think about. And it's something that like I own a shop. I think that, that I think about it all the time. What does that look like going forward five years, 10 years in your head? right? Because it's, it's an issue. It's our seasons are getting shorter every single year. And it's something that gets talked about as fact now, as opposed to getting talked about, it's like, oh, it feels like this was a short year or this was a shitty year or all the storms were up and down all the time. And they were either complete, like we got completely nuked or we got no snow at all. And you can see it over the long-term weather forecasts. And it's just not, it, it hasn't been the same. So 
What does that mean to you as a business owner over the course of the next five, 10 years? Because that's something you really have to think about. Yeah. I mean, honestly, um, I think a lot about growth and the possibilities of growth. And I will tell you that I don't see tremendous growth in our, our future. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because growth is directly related to capitalism. And a lot of people want to talk about divesting from capitalism and what that looks like. So I kind of see this as an opportunity as a business owner to be divesting from capitalism because I'm not bought into growth Um, and really considering this idea of like, I have enough, it's enough, we are enough. And so I think, you know, tempering our projections, our financial projections around growth from sales of skis and snowboards is definitely something that we actively do. Um, And then I would say on on top of that, it's, again, looking for opportunities to bring in different products um, and bring in products that aren't. And and even outside of like the technical side of things or the hard, hard goods, like anything sort of lifestyle, something that's accessible, something that's fun. Um, and we're, we're working on some, we're working on a couple things, um, now as, as well, like a buyback pro- program. So we're looking at, you know, ski and snowboard buyback. We're looking at, um, a new concept for a retail store here in Reno, um, and really sort of expanding out of the traditional model of just selling skis and, and, and boards. But yeah, the biggest one is, we will not, we will, we will not have the growth. Yeah. It just won't be there. And, um, and I, and, and that's okay. Cause it also like having conversations with your staff team about what it means to divest from capitalism is a pretty cool thing to do. So. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's going to be a weird year. I think next year for everybody, because I think the industry as a whole had a really good couple of years, right. When everybody was looking to go outside, everybody was looking to buy a new product everybody was kind of looking to put their money where their mouth was a little more during that time period. And next year, it may be next year, maybe two years from now, but there's going to be a fall off at some point in terms of, you know, product buying because a shit ton of people went out and bought a new product over the last couple of years. So I think we're going to get a little taste of that almost immediately um, in the next season or two. Um, So I guess we'll see, we'll see what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, that it's just the thing, the thing about, considering the future is like everything's still fucked up. So like there's still supply chain issues. Oh yeah. There's global shipping. Um, you know, we have, what are, are, are we on the precipice of a world war? Maybe. Um, yeah. Inflation. We could be in a recession by the end of this, this year. So there's like so yeah. many factors that like, it is amazing. I just feel like every day I wake up, I'm like, I'm amazed. I still have a business. I am amazed. <laughs> This is all like we had an awful year in the Sierra. So I'm I'm based in um Reno and yeah. you know, Tahoe over yeah, o- yeah. over the hill. We got hosed this season. Yeah, I, I noticed. I was I was there um, end of January and it was fucking terrible. Oh awful. Um so <laughs> yeah, there's just there's so many things. Um there's just so many things at play that I think make it really difficult to anticipate what the future will be. And, and I, and, but again, like trying to try to be an, an optimist, being a small brand means you can be nimble right. and what a gift, right. what a gift to not, what a gift to not, um, have invested three years out in product, Yeah, you know? Like, so shit. Yeah. That's a good point. And I guess that's something that people don't even necessarily know is how much, like how far ahead brands have to buy product, put thought into product. <laughs> it's like, I'm getting text messages from the people at Fisher for stuff that's coming out in like, 2025, you know, and I'm just like, what, what, that's so far away. That's such a, such a far cry from where we are right now. And if you think about how much has changed in the last two years, you're like, how do you create a relevant product in two, like for two, three years from now, like everything could change. Somebody come out with something that changes and then you got to make the switch quick. And I guess that's to your point of being a small brand. You can be nimble, you can make product and you can make what you want, right? Like at the end of the day, you make the decision if you want to make it, you make it. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. I mean, odd, like there's like plenty of things we want to make that we can't make because we don't have the budget to make it because right. molds are expensive. And, you know, so we're always like, we're always trying to do little things every year to either expand our product line or make improvements. But, you know, as a small brand, you don't have the you know financial resources to do it. And, um, also, you know, you have limitations in, in production, but, um, 
but it's, you know, I, I, I like being relevant. Yeah. (laughs) It's a nice place to be. Yeah, no, it certainly is. What, so on the ski topic, we kind of started with this and I kind of want to jump back to it a little bit. What, what makes a ski, a women's ski or a ski that's more geared towards what you guys have found that women tend to like, like what, what is the difference? Right. Because I'm looking at it from one perspective, which is the perspective of me, a male uh, yeah. who skis often. Um, and I'm heavy. So like, I'm like, okay, I like skis with metal, whatever, whatever. But other than that, all the skis, I can't really see a reason that one should be different than the other. Right. Sizing is the main thing. And that's been the main issue that you see is brands not offering enough size range to accommodate women. And I guess you see, you don't really see that issue on the top end of things with men, right? Like you don't hear people complaining that there's not any 205s other than, you know, right. old crusty white dudes. Um, right. Other than that, nobody's really complaining about the lack of sizes on the top end. Sizing on the bottom end, however, is definitely an issue. But beyond that, is is there truly a difference in ski? Like what, what matters in ski con- construction to you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, we we have never designed around the anatomy of women um, in the way that other brands talk about, like we sit, we sit around, sometimes it's on zoom. Sometimes it's on the chairlift. Sometimes it's over dinner. We talk about what we want to ski and ride on. And then we just make it. And we just happen to all identify as women. That's what makes coalitions. Like that's why the majority of well, actually it's more our marketing why the majority of people buy our skis and boards, but like the only, I mean, truly like, you know, we're we're catering to a a certain uh, person, but we're not like, we don't sit down and say like, well, women do X and women do Y. And so we need to design around that. Like we're just making stuff that we want. We're no different than any other indie ski brand where those dudes just sit around and make what they want. We do the same thing. And, and yet, and I'm not, I'm not saying that this is you, but people get confused about what we do. And we're like, we're just doing what everyone, like, we're just doing what the moments are doing and the OMP threes and like, are, like, we're doing the exact same thing. We're just people who sit around, talk about what we want to ski on. And then we go out and prototype it and build, build it. And because we all identify as women, it's not difficult for us to think about the size range, right? It's not difficult for us to think about, um, well, I'd also like, because we want high quality, high performance goods, like so, so much of like women specific up until recently has just been, um, subpar materials. So it's, you know, the the skis and snowboards are literally softer. They're, they're designed with different cores. Um, they're not going to hold up. Like they might be great for a beginner skier, but certainly someone who's like, advanced or expert or somebody who wants to progress, it's not a good, good fit. Um, so we think about that, like, how do you make a super high quality product? Because we're not trying to differentiate from anything in our line. We only have this one line, right? So it's, we're not like, oh, well, how is our women's line different from the men's line? And what's the unisex? Like, like we just make one, one thing. So I would say that a lot of what makes it different is bullshit. It's not actually real. Um, what makes ours, you know, more focused on women than other is we're just all women and we just make what we want. And we are not thinking about humans with penises at all. We're just not, you know, like, we're just not thinking about men Yeah. when we time. And, and there are pl- like, there are men who ski and ride on our stuff because we make good stuff. Like we make like our longest ski is a one eighty. It's, you know, and so there are definitely men who can ski on a one, 180. Our longest snowboard is a 155. So, um, you know, there are men who ski and ride on our gear because it's good and we're fun and they want to support us. Um, but yeah, I don't, I think a lot of what goes into make something women specific is not real. Yeah, it's, I, I agree. I, I'm glad you made that point And I'm glad you said like a lot of the stuff that's separate, like it, it really comes down to marketing. And for a long time, I can remember like five, six years ago, as recently as five or six years ago, I heard a sales rep say in a clinic, 
that we like women don't spend money on better skis, right? It, stuff like that. Like that still gets thrown around and you're like, it's not true. They're, it's the same fucking shit. Everybody can buy this ski. That's a wood core ski. If you make it in every single size. And that's mm-hmm. kind of why, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't want to plug my own shit here, but like Fisher does a good job at being like, okay, here's these, this ski is made for everybody. This is like, I don't give a fuck what you are, pick your color. And that's, you know, you're done. That's, that's the whole story. And I think that's another marketing tactic, right? But it's, it's a good one in a lot of senses because it kind of eliminates that barrier where you're like, is this a men's ski? Is this a women's ski? And people talk about shit like anatomy that matters and like, it's a ski. That part doesn't matter at all. I don't think it matters. I mean, I will say like the one, the one thing that I, I will say is that, you know, there's, you know, specialized bikes came out with a statement the other year that like everything is gender new, new is gender neutral. You know, your, your reference to Fisher, like that's in maybe in theory, but again, when you have all cis white men designing, is it actually gender neutral? Is it like, what's the, like, what is the bias behind that? So, you know, like what are the things that we see or don't see around having like predominantly male design teams, male marketing teams, um, male sales rep, male, like you can't actually have something that's gender neutral when you're not gender neutral, like coalition is not gender neutral. Like we would never claim to be that. Right. Um, but you can't claim to have a gender neutral line. Right. Because bias is real. Yeah, it exists for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I guess to call them on their shit too, it's like the next year they only made the smallest size they made is like a 160 or something like that. And I mean, there's yeah. a ton of rocker. It skis super short, but that's not small enough. Like it's just straight up not small enough for people. And that's that's a weird thing too. On the other end of the spectrum, I, I wondered, there's this movement of women buying bigger skis and buying starting to add length to what they ski on normally. Like for example, one of the hosts on Monday uh, Renee skis like a 187, I think, or a 185 or something like that. So is, is that a thought for you guys to, have you guys explored kind of going into the far further ends of that size range, or is it a situation where it's like, it has to make dollars and cents? Well, it, it absolutely has to make dollars and cents for us as, as a small brand. Like I, I literally count dollars and cents every day. Like, <laughs> You know, like it's, it's like, you're like, you know, checking your bank accounts and like mental math. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say like, I mean, now that, now that we have like what, seven, eight years under our belts, like we have historical data on size runs and what, what we sell. We sell a fraction of 180s compared to the rest of the the ski lengths. And um, we've been continually adding shorter lengths and we find that those continue to sell better than a one, a 180. I don't know. Um, we've actually never had anyone ask us for a longer ski either. I mean, we've had men ask us to make longer skis, but we've never had women say, Hey, would you ever think about making a longer ski? Um, because our 180, like, you know, our 180s are like 115 underfoot. Like it's a big, it's a big ski. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that like, if, if we did hear feedback on that, I think we would look into it, but, um, you know, we're, we're also like not here to do, to do everything and be everything to everyone. And so that's like, like, it is good that there are different brands and that there's different places that you can go. And, and like, certainly as a women owned brand, like we, we, we will never be everything to everyone. And I feel like we get, we get, positioned in that way that like we should be, we should be serving everyone. Well, yeah, in a perfect world, but again, like we're a a small brand and we don't have all the resources to to do that. And so we're not going to be everything to everyone. We're just going to be our best that we can be. Um, And that probably means not taking these resources and putting them to like a 190 when I likely would sell like 10. Yeah. Right. No, I, I, even I for agree. The bolts, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's an important thing to say because people do it on the other end of the spectrum too, where they're like, why don't you make 21 shell boots? And I'm like, well, it's got to make sense for the company. It depends on the size of the brand. Right. And if there's actual want for that, great. And if there's actual like data from these companies that's saying like, okay, make that or even on the bigger end of things. Right. Because I get like dudes coming into the shop or historically coming into the shop they're like oh i'm a size 
16 actually or a size 15 actually and i'm like fuck off like i don't have anything yeah. for you and it yeah. sucks because at the same end you're selling women boots that are too soft a lot of times because they just you don't have something that goes down to a 21 shell right other than a race boot so right. i mean i had hadley hammer on in the beginning of the year and she was talking about how she's skiing in a race boot that she's converted over to a touring boot because she had no other choice right there was no other options for her so i guess in a space like ski especially ski snowboard i guess it's a little less relevant but ski is there's still product gaps and that's just it's where we are right now and i think that's yeah. it's got to make economic sense for a lot of people yeah well and i and i i do think like the people to solve that problem <clears throat> are the larger brands sure. the heritage brands are the ones to solve it because they have the most affordable production. They have the most reliable supply chain. They have the greatest reach. They have so like they can actually reach far more people. Their customer acquisition costs are lower than than ours. So anytime there's anything that we that we need or there's a gap, I know that it feels like you want to go to the smaller brand because you're like you're paying attention, you're listening. Yeah, you right, right. Like I, I hear you and I, I see you, but we're not actually the ones to solve that problem. And they're putting a lot it's of weight on you. brands with the resources who are the ones who should be doing it because they can. Right. And they're putting a lot of weight on you, right? They're yeah. putting that weight onto you, the smaller brand, when they're not necessarily intent, like they want to support you, but they're also now causing you to be at a loss just to support you. And that doesn't make any sense either. So, um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. Um, I do want to ask about this. Instagram post that you posted a little, uh, let's see how long it was. Uh -oh, Not that long one? ago. Uh, the <laughs> one basically you were like, who would have thought that I'd close out 2021 by rallying the San Francisco airport to collect all the coalition <laughs> inventory, threatening to rip my clothing off and chain myself to something. If they wouldn't release it, white knuckling it over daughter summit, packing boxes and pallets and forgetting to eat. What, like, what is this story about? Can you talk to me about what the fuck that means? Yeah. So, um, okay. We have <laughs> a lot of, like, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with the company that goes out in our newsletters that I send out every Thursday. Instagram is like, you know, you get like pieces of it, but so what had happened was that, um, us, like just about everyone else, our shit was sitting in a, in a ship, in a ship in Long Beach <laughs> for months. Yeah. It's just sitting there. Like I had like my marine tracker. I'm like watching the boat just sit there. <laughs> and um, so we we finished production on time. We we booked on time, but then it was a month delay to even get on the boat. And then there were delays in Hong Kong. And then there were then it arrived in Long Beach and it sat. And we kept getting told like you know, like, okay, well, we think it'll be like another month. And then, you know, we get through October, we got through like, by the time like Thanksgiving hit, we were being told like, oh, you should have it any day now. Well, then it's the middle of December. So I'm a hundred percent losing my shit, stress, smoking, not sleeping, <laughs> drink, like what? Like, because we couldn't fulfill any of our purchase orders. So we work with like REI and backcountry and Evo, right, and next right, right. Year, like, couldn't fulfill purchase orders. People were waiting on their skis and boards. And um, so then the, the day, the Friday before Christmas, we're told like, okay, your stuff is off the ship. It's out of LA. It's coming to San Francisco. We'll be able to deliver it to you. And I was like, great. And then the Monday after Christmas, they're like, yeah, it's going to in like I-80 is closed in both direct, like shit, like yeah. nothing's working. But then they tell us like, oh, we're going to deliver it tomorrow. Great. We're here. This was like, you know, December 27th. Within 12 hours, they had called and they're like, actually, we have no idea when we can deliver it. I was like, great. Um, I'm coming for it. I'm coming for it. No <laughs> one's going to say no. You let those guys know in San Francisco. I'm oh. rolling up. We like calculated payloads. I like every man I knew with a truck. I was like, let's go. We're going to do this. Like. <laughs> And we route, like we drove to San Francisco, went to the warehouse near SFO where everything was. And I walked up and I was like, I'm here to get my stuff. They're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, let me just tell you this. I'm leaving with my inventory today. If you're not able to make this happen in the next 30 minutes, I will take off all my clothing and chain myself to that pole. And if you think I'm kidding, try me now. <laughs> and so within 10 minutes, they're like, okay, ma'am. <laughs> 
you you can pull they're like so do you have a truck i'm like i have trucks i have like passenger trucks and everyone's like wide eyed look and they're like okay you can pull up here we pulled up and we hand loaded thousands of pounds of skis and snowboards into bunches of vehicles and we drove back over donner summit and we spent all new year's eve and new year's eve weekend packing purchase orders and customer oh orders and then that's that's what we did and continued to stress smoke day drink all the things and uh it actually took a trip out to the east side with high sierra snowcat and yurt we got a two-day trip with, with them and then i got to reset and return to being a normal human being but yeah i had to go fetch my shit that's what happened oh my god the amount of stress that i feel in my chest just <laughs> hearing this story right <laughs> is it was uh, wild oh it was god. like looking back on it i'm like Oh my God. I can't believe like doing it. I was like, whatever, we're doing this. This is You have fine. to do it. You're this like this. I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. But then like, after we got everything uh, back to Reno, like the next morning, I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe we did that yesterday. I'm yeah. I'm stressed. <laughs> I I'm fucking stressed. Um, <laughs> well, that's great. Uh, that's, that is the definition of like the hustle, like, right. Like people yeah. talk about that shit. Like you got to hustle to make breads work. That's yeah. the definition of it. It's like, you just get that shit done no matter what what it looks like yeah. and I that all the props in the world to you because that shit is <laughs> not easy to do especially like this is San Francisco it's not like you're going to some fucking bum ass airport like in the middle of nowhere where it's one person that's you know holding on to all your stuff this is this is legit so uh props that's fucking incredible thanks <laughs> um one of the last things I want to ask you about is what is Sisu Magazine? Why did you want to create a magazine? I Everybody that I have on that has a magazine, I ask the same question, and it is why. Uh, because it's hard. Like, it's a hard, you're picking another hard area to now go into in magazines, right? And I think the magazine is, it's beautiful, right? Like, it's, it's nice, but what is that? How do you separate what you guys do from what everybody else does? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring up Sisu because we've actually put it on pause because it's so hard. Yeah. Um, we lost like that was I would say like one of the big things that we lost in COVID is we lost all of our sponsorship for the magazine. Yeah. Like everything just dried up and you can't have a magazine without sponsorship because we you know, we were running an ad free. So what makes it dif different? There are no ads in it. We were working with brands who shared our values and wanted to tell really important stories. Um when we started it, so things are different now than when we started the magazine. When we started the magazine, no one actually wanted to talk about race and gender and sex. Mm, and okay. no one no one was talking about that in the outdoors. Like people thought that those were conversations to have elsewhere, that they weren't connected to outdoor ex experiences. Um, but anybody who lives within any one of these intersections knows that all of like it's all connected. So the idea behind Sisu was to have a platform to tell the stories um, that weren't being told and to have the people themselves tell the stories. So like, for example, one of the issues that I'm most proud of was um, issue eight. And we actually turned it over to the Black Foxes, which is um, a collective of Black cy cyclists. Yeah. We didn't interview them. So a lot of times, and this still happens, yeah, yeah. white people get paid to interview people of color or white men get paid to interview women. And then you're like, you know, but yeah. And so if you're not really changing the power dynamics and, and it's all through the lens of the person who's interviewing and the person who's, who's writing. So for issue eight, we worked with Live Cycling. And, uh, you know, they they sponsored it and we were able to just turn over the whole issue to the Black Foxes and they wrote their own pieces. Yeah. And and so like we were just trying to do something really different around um, around who tells stories and what stories get told, who gets paid to, to tell them. Um, and, you know, we we published nine nine issues. And then, quite honestly, I got super tired and was like, this is so like yeah. so we haven't really made decisions on, on what, what we're going to do. Also, it's really difficult right now because the whole industry jumped on the bandwagon of telling these stories. Yeah. And I was like, so is our magazine even relevant anymore? I think it is. I, I don't know. I mean, but I, but I don't know. These are the questions I ask my, myself and like, are we the ones to keep doing this? So we've just kind of <clears throat> paused on publishing uh, for the, for the time being, as I, consider what we will do. I don't, I don't know. 
I just think that like that you just have a different perspective than a lot of people and you can bring a lot of different shit. Like nobody else would turn over their magazine for an issue. Nobody else that has a magazine that I've talked to would turn over their whole magazine for an issue and be like, okay, this is, this is what's going to happen. We're going to do it the right way. Right. Because nobody would even think like that. So I think that that should exist and you guys should, I mean, I don't know fucking anything. I don't know how many times I've said that on the show. Like throughout the course of almost 200 episodes now, I, I, I know fucking nothing. But what I do know is people people give a shit about brands that offer something different, right? And look at things in a different perspective and are willing to take themselves out of it, right? You got to separate yourself and everything and the whole ego bit mm-hmm. away from the product. And I think then people start to actually connect to it. And that's how... You, that's really how you start to build these like core audiences and that like yeah. cult following starts to build like that. Like I'm looking at this article that Ali Wines wrote skiing while fat. Like that's not an article in a headline that you would see in very many other magazines. Right. And other yeah. people, other places will write like these kind of like almost tongue in cheek style articles where they're just like, Oh, here's, here's one article in the pay. And this is not the same thing. So I hope you guys continue to do it. I know it's expensive. I always ask the question why, because I know it's expensive and we're in like a digital era, but there's a way to do it. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I hope you guys figure it out because it's, it's really rad. And I think these stories should be told. And I think they should be told in the way that you're doing them. Cause I think that's, that's really the key factor there is, is doing it that way. And I guess it's actually probably a good thing to give props to Liv and Giant because Giant was like, look, here's women's bikes. We don't know, like, we don't know what we're doing. We're making shit women's bikes, right? And then they switched over and it's been Liv cycling for, I don't know how long, six years, seven years now, something like that. And their whole team, like I walked into the Sea Otter booth a few weeks ago. I couldn't find a guy. There wasn't a guy in the booth, like not in Giant. They're, not- all, they're all women. Like you yeah. went and you saw Jen and Cassandra. Like that's yeah. who that, because <laughs> that's who is on the global marketing team. Yeah. Because they're actually all women. Yeah. It's yeah. Cool. Which is really rad. I, I love that. And it's even, yeah, even in the Giant booth, there was like the only dude there. I thought it was hilarious. The only dude there was an old white dude and he was in charge of spinning the wheel. You know, the prize wheel. That was the only thing that he did for the whole show. I thought that yeah. was interesting. But, um, all right. <laughs> I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, this has been great. Um, tell people where they can find you, where they can learn more about Coalition, where they can find Sisu when it comes back alive uh, soon. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell people kind of where they can connect with you more. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the easiest and best place, you know, best places to connect with us, number one on Instagram, Coalition Snow, and then our website, coalitionsnow.com. And for real, you do want to sign up for those emails because that's where I send out an amazing email just (laughs) every Thursday. I've been sending it out for over 450 weeks. It's called Lady Parts. It's inside. You get inside my brain. Plus, I share news about the outdoors. It like... It is so good. This is like the one thing, like I am so good at this newsletter and I will not say that about a lot of things, but (laughs) you want to go to coalitionsnow.com. You want to sign up for the newsletter, whether you take the bitch quiz or the ski or snowboard quiz, or you just fill out the form on the website, you'll get into the email flow. And um, that's like the best way to really know what's going on (laughs) and to really just be a part of the deeper conversations that we have. Cause there's only like so much that you can do on Instagram stories disappear in, in 24 hours. Um, so there's, you know, a ton going on with the brand and you know, the email is the best way to do it. And you'll like it. I mean, if you'd liked this, this interview, you will like lady parts. If you did not like this, you will not like my, <laughs> so you can you know, choose your own adventure on that. Um, but yeah, just Coalition Snow. That's where you can find out about Sisu, <laughs> Operate a Light, like all the things, our podcast, everything's there. Which is really good, by the way. I listened to a okay. few episodes in preparation. You guys are really good at it. It's it's hard okay. to make a podcast successful in this year when everybody has a podcast and everybody thinks that their opinion is important. Like you guys actually do a really fucking good job. So um, I think, uh, I think that's great. I hope that this audience enjoys the, enjoys this episode and signs up for the email list. We're like 60, 40. So it's like 60% according to Blueberry, like it's 60% male, 40% female. So we'll see 
how much of that 60% male is like, yes, like this is really, this is a thing that I want to be involved in. And how much of the 40% is like, this is something I, mean, I want they, to be involved the in. Men, the men should be like, I'm here for this. Imagine uh, yeah, hundred percent. you can learn and all the fun that you can have if you come hang out with us. You know, I, like this is, we're, we're here, we're here for men There's <laughs> in our own special way. Um, we don't, you know, only, we don't really hate you. You kind of annoy us sometimes, but it's not really like deep seated hate or trauma. It's more just like, God, you guys are so, make me so tired. Yeah. So it, like, but it's, we're really, we're a really helpful brand. Cause if you pay attention, you can learn a lot. So you're welcome. Oh, and it's for yeah. sure can learn a lot. I've learned a lot prepping for this episode and I consider myself like decently well-educated in this. Like I'm just like, there's a lot going on, but it's, uh, I'm going to take the bitch quiz right now. So I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for everything, Jen. And, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome.